Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Acts 2. Acts 2, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound of blowing, uh, of the blowing of a violent wind uh, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because uh, each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that they're speaking our native, na- native language? Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the birth of the church. Today is our birthday, so to speak. And these individuals were hearing their, their native language. It says all of the nations under the heaven were in this place, and all of them heard their native language being spoken. Today, in America and around the world, Pentecost is being talked about. And we, ha- we must be honest about this. Pentecost is talked about in a wide variety of, of areas, depending on the denomination that, that you go to. Some people are going to talk to you this morning about speaking in tongues. Some people are going to talk to you this morning about why speaking in tongues isn't the thing today. Some people will talk to you about the, the violent wind. Some people will talk to you. There are deep theological conversations that happen around this day, today, Pentecost, and how that actually plays into our, our lives today, and whether or not the, the Holy Spirit is a thing like it, it says it is in Acts 2. Then there are folks that they won't stop speaking in tongues long enough to actually hear God speak to them. <laughs> There are so many things talked about. And we have the ability, right? We have the ability to talk about the violent wind. I, I always kind of laugh when you read that because God would have to manifest, uh, the Holy Spirit would have to manifest a little differently um, in Kansas than with the violent wind because that's, that's a normal Tuesday for us, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. But we can talk about the wind. And it's important to understand that Scripture will always interpret Scripture. This isn't the first time that we see the Holy Spirit being talked about in the wind, right? It, it, John, John 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Uh, the three through, or 5 through 8 says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again by water and the Spirit. Flesh births, births flesh, but the Spirit births the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it. You hear its sound. But you can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. We could talk about fire. 
This isn't the first time that we see God in the fire. In Exodus 19, he, he, uh, we, we, we read that the, an entire mountain, Mount Sinai, was engulfed in fire. The fire is kind of a tricky thing these days. Because if you, talked about, um, if you talk about being consumed by fire in the flesh, it's not a bad thing. But if you talk about being consumed as a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, it's what we desire. It's interesting because there are uh, a handful of songs that the, the worship team, some of us kind of debate back and forth, that talks about the all-consuming fire. And these songs are really great. It's not songs that we don't want to do, but we have to be careful with them. 99% of us don't like the fact that we have to be careful with them, right? Like uh, the majority of us sitting in here this morning knows that to be consumed by fire is to be refined by the Holy Spirit. And this is something that we long for, right? This is something that we desire to be refined is to be perfected. And so we know that being consumed by the Holy Spirit is exactly what it is that we want. But if we talk about being consumed by the fire as if it was no big deal, that 1% back there would be like, wait a second, I thought we were talking about Jesus. How are we going to talk about, how we talk about it is important. How we sing about it is important. Why is it so important that these people we're speaking, the disciples were speaking a native language. Today, it's not that big of a deal because everyone speaks multiple languages, right? But back then, that, that's not the case. Why is this such a big deal? What is, it, what is so important? The importance of speaking in tongues in this has little to do with the manifestation of, of, of how but why, and that is the unifying of the church. Today, like I said, is church birthday. It's the church's birthday today. The unification of the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of us, so we have the ability to look at each other and say, same team, same team. Amen. We get so focused on what, it, what, it, what, what we can look like that we forget that we need to take a back seat, right? I, I, this is where Pentecostals, in my eyes, have got it wrong. We get excited about the manifestation and what it looks like instead of, what is, what is the Holy Spirit really saying? We get that goosebump and think, Holy Spirit, okay. But the Holy Spirit unifies. The importance of the Holy Spirit is the unification of the church. Pre-Pentecostals, the disciple, pre-Pentecost um, uh, pre was the disciples being fearful. Right? You, you got to put yourself in their shoes. Jesus comes, hangs out, teaches, preaches, does great works. The disciples think he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and he dies on a cross. They're like, what is going on? And Jesus comes back, right? He talks to the, and, and, and ministers to the disciples. We, we celebrated this in Ascension Sunday last, last Sunday. And then he leaves again. And moments before the Holy Spirit fell, these disciples were fearful. They had no idea how this was going to shake out. They had no idea what was going, but the Holy Spirit falls and momentarily, like we're not talking a long time, the Holy Spirit falls and they are filled instantaneously speaking in tongues. 
The Holy Spirit is not something that happens when you become a better Christian. The Holy Spirit happens when you accept Christ into your life. We are the rock that Christ talked about that he would build his church on. That's you and I. This changes the world. This doesn't change the world momentarily for the disciples, but it literally changes the world from there to now. That Jesus walked with us, Pentecost happens, Holy Spirit fills, and it changes the course of history. This isn't, this isn't something we just read in the Bible momentarily. This is happening to us right now as we sit here. This is happening to people that you come in contact with on a daily basis. That they, the, the new converts, have you, have you ever been around a Christian that was like, that was just filled with the Holy Spirit? You're like, bro, calm down. It's a long journey. But they can't get enough of it, Right? They can't get it. This is exactly what happens to the disciples, but it continues to happen to us even today. The disciples were sitting in the upper room waiting for God's plan, only for them to realize that they were God's plan. Some of us are sitting around our homes, our businesses, with our families, with our friends, waiting for God to move, only for you to now realize that you are God's plan. God's vision for the church is you and I. This is exciting. This is something to be celebrated. This is something to grab a hold of to and say, oh my goodness, okay. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I do have a purpose. I do have, he talks about a plan and a purpose for our lives. And too many times we think of that plan and that purpose as to be, well, if I, if I, 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 he's got to bless me. No, no, no. He did by dying on the cross. He did by filling us with his spirit. John 7, 3 through 30, 37 through 39. This is, this is, this is important. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit that we will get to. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit that will continue to manifest in our lives. But the beauty about the Holy Spirit is the unity that he brings to us and what we have the ability to do with it. It says, on the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let, them, let, let the ones who believe in me drink. As the scripture said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. I'm going to repeat that again. Out of believer's hearts shall flow rivers of living water. Out of believer's hearts. It doesn't say out of Jesus' heart. It said out of believer's heart. And it says in the scripture that, that we won't receive that until he is glorified. But guess what? Today, Jesus is glorified. Today, Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave. Today, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, which means you and I have rivers of living water flowing out of us. Oh, come on, guys. That is exciting. That is life-changing, not just for you, but the people who sit next to you. Not just for you, but the, the husband or the wife that needs to see, needs to feel, needs to hear Jesus. Those friends, those bosses that you just absolutely despise at some point in time. A couple of chapters later in John, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to have to bounce. And you're not going to like the way that I leave, 
it's gonna, uh, you're, you're, there's going to be a lot of questions over this, but I need you to not fear because I'm going to send a helper with you. I need you to not fear because I, I, there, there's someone coming in my place. In fact, the New Living Translation says Jesus is leaving what is what's best for us. Even today, sometimes that's really kind of hard to comprehend. But put yourself in the disciples' shoes. What's best for me is that you stay, Jesus, because you have continued to lead. You have continued to show signs and wonders and miracles. You are continuing to change the minds of the Pharisees. You are continuing to change. No, what's best for me is that you stay here. And he said, no, no, no. What's best for me or what's best for you is that I leave. Why? Because we get gifts of discernment, words, wisdom, knowledge, speaking in tongues? No. Because before Pentecost, Jesus was the only way we could get our thirst quenched. But the gift of the Holy Spirit releases and sets free living streams of water in us. It's the difference between Jesus living with us and Jesus living on the inside of us. The incarnation. It meant God with us. But the coming of the Holy Spirit means that God is in us. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, we now are the place where God dwells. The church, you and I, not this building, but you and I are the place, we are the temple of God today. The question is, do people have the ability to see that? You may be sitting there saying, you have no idea what it is that I'm going through. I hear what you're saying, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but you have no idea what it is that I'm going through. You, have, you don't know the depression that's on my life. You don't know the addiction that's on my life. You don't know the frustration, the bitterness, and the resentment that are on my life. You don't know what it is that I go through on a daily basis. You don't know the people that I have to work with. You just don't know, Pastor Sean. And to that, I would say you are exactly right. But my question to you this morning, is God bigger than your issue? And if God is bigger than your issue, then you have the ability to overcome anything. The reality of it is, is that we know God is bigger than our issues. We just like to get in our feelings. Oh, come on. You know that it's true. I'd struggle with it as much as you do. We get in our feelings about certain situations, and we know in the back of our mind that God is bigger than, than our issue, but we kind of like to wallow in it sometimes. I'm coaching baseball this summer. It's the first time I've coached in years, and it's, to be honest with you, fun. I'm coaching Hampton's 11U baseball team, helping coach. I'm not, leading, I'm not the head coach. Thank God. Because the assistant coach gets to say whatever he wants to and then go back to the dugout. The head coach actually has to deal with all the stuff, yeah. Hampton's 11U baseball team. I've never seen so many drama queens on a baseball field in my life. That's the God's honest truth. They make one tiny mistake and the parents and the, the coaches are all holding their breath trying to figure out whether or not it is one, te one teammate that is going to implode or the entire team. And you may be sitting there saying, man, that's, that's kind of that's mean. You have to understand something. This is baseball. They're at the beginning of the season. 
of course they're drama queens. By the end of the season, they'll learn some things about life and how to play the game a little bit better, and they'll be less of a drama queen. They'll still be there because they're 11-year-old boys. I had four of them spend the night at my house on Friday night. That is not a good idea. (laughs) Birthday slumber parties. Hey, just so you know, in in future, because everybody else, I think, has surpassed me. No offense by any means. Don't do birthday slumber parties. They will make you cry and scream and scream and cry, question your faith, all of the things. Anyhow, back to 11U baseball. The, the reality of it is, is that any little thing has the ability to change the rest of the game for them. Part of it is that they're 11 years old. But the reality of it is, is that we all live like this. There's a term in baseball, and I say that it's, it's baseball. You could probably find this anywhere in life. But I learned it in baseball, and so it's a baseball term for me. And that is <clears throat> to never allow the game of baseball to swallow you up. Now, if you don't know what that means, baseball is a fast game. You would disagree with that if you're watching it, but if you play it, baseball is a fast game. And baseball can get ahead of you really quick. Baseball is, is well... It's God's gift to, to the world, but, but baseball has the ability to be a fast game. And if not careful, it will swallow you up really quick. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're a second baseman and you boot a ball, booting a ball means you didn't field the ground ball cleanly. You hang your head. These, these 11U baseball players, they'll, they'll not catch a, a, a fly ball and it's the end of the world for them. What, what's disappointing, to be honest with you if, if you, if you reflect a little bit, is who's putting that responsibility on those boys? The coaches and the parents or themselves? Why is it that they see those 11U baseball players think that they have to play a perfect game of baseball? But baseball is based off of failure, and they haven't realized that because they think failure is a bad thing. They think failure is not something that you have the ability to do, that the goal of baseball is to play a perfect game. No, the goal of baseball is to play better baseball than the other team. And failure is a part of that, which means you're going to strike out, which means you're going to boot a ball, which means you're going to let a ground ball by you, which means you're going to upset the coach. Some of us have allowed the game of life to swallow us up, and we have forgotten that our God is bigger than the life that we live. Some of us have allowed God to swallow us up in such a way, or have allowed life to swallow us up in such a way that we have forgotten that God has a plan and a purpose, that God, has a, uh, that, that God wants us to live a free and light life, that God wants great things for us, not just so that we get those great things, that so we remind other people that, Rivers of living water are flowing out of us. Don't let the game swallow you up. Bad things happen. I'll tell you, I'll be 100% honest with you. Whew, I got to hurry. Um, 100% honest with you. You know what swallowed me up? Cancer. It's one of my biggest disappointments. Why? Because I had cancer? No. Because I had an opportunity to grow with God in ways that I didn't have before, and I didn't do it. Why? Because I was too focused on the cancer. 
If the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us, he doesn't dwell on the inside of us momentarily. He dwells on the inside of us forever. And so when we face things like cancer, we have the ability to focus on what God has for us instead of what the world says about us, and we grow closer to him. So even in death, I win. Even in death, I have the ability, and it wasn't until after, and this is the grace of God. This is how the grace of God works in my life. I don't know about you, but it wasn't until after the situation that I realized where God's grace was in that, and then I missed it. And it's easy to pick that up as failure. I struck out. No, no, no. The beauty about God is he says, don't worry about it. You got another at bat. Romans 5, 3 through 5, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it speaks specifically to what I'm talking about right there. It says, now that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoicing in our sufferings is a really hard deal. It's, it, it is hard. Jesus doesn't, we, Paul's not saying this because he thinks it's going to be easy. Paul's saying, no, 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 I promise you, you really actually have the ability to rejoice in your sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance is a really great thing. Endurance allows you to pitch nine innings. I'm going to continue to use baseball references. I hope that's okay with you. If it's not, uh, come back next week. I'm not sure Quentin knows anything about baseball. (laughs) I love you, Quentin. I know he's not paying attention. He's preaching right now. Verse four, and endurance produces character. Character is what those 11 you, you boys need. They need a little bit of character, a little failure and support. Failure in the game and support after the game builds character. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because here's here's where it's at. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we are not just filled with the Holy Spirit and all of these gifts. We are filled with God's love. We know that it is God's love because John 1, or 1 John, says that love is God and God is love. And if that is the case, then any situation that I step into, I have God's love that is being poured out to people. My question to you is, is is that how we respond to everybody? See, in 1 Corinthians 13, the, the chapter of love in the New Living Translation, it says that love keeps no record of being wronged. How many times have we kept a record of being wronged? I have a lot. But this scripture says that when the Holy Spirit fills us, the Holy Spirit fills us with God's love, God's peace, God's joy. People we, we, we come in contact with every single day need this love. They need this joy. They need this hope and this peace. Every single one of us. And we have this in the Holy Spirit that each and every single one of us have on the inside. Listen, we all have a part to play in this. We all have a part to play. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 13 talks specifically about it. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but it talks specifically about how each and every one of us, maybe you have the gift of wisdom, and you have the gift of knowledge. Maybe you have the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of interpretation of tongues. You have the gift of tongues. But what's important 
is not necessarily how they manifest, but that each and every single one of us have a part to play in it. The end of the scripture talks about it, that we are one body, and yes, there are many members, and yes, there are many parts, but in the body of Christ, we are one. There is one spirit. There is one spirit. One spirit. He comes to unify. Too often the church has a tendency to seek unity in conformity. I have been guilty of this. In order for you and me to unify, and listen, that's why we have 36,000 different types of denominations. In order for you and I to unify, we have to conform. But that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. This is rather than encouraging, we, we ask for, for conformity in unity rather than encouraging each person's unique gifting. The kind of unity God wants comes from us exercising those gifts. That is one of the beautiful things about this church that I think to be true is that each and every one of us have different giftings. And though we don't always understand why we let those giftings out, those giftings come out. Though it doesn't look nice, pretty, and neat sometimes, it is important that we make space for those gifts. If you have multiple kids, you understand the importance. You understand the, the different giftings. I got five, five boys in the house right now. And each, each one of them has a specific role that they play in our home. And if you were to take any one of them out, it would not make sense. Our home would be disjointed. You got Hampton that's got the big heart. You got Hezekiah who, you know, he just loves life. Hezekiah just loves life. You got Henley that's a jokester. It's interesting because Cam, Cameron, he's, he's only been living with us a year and yet he plays a, a certain role in our home today. I always find it interesting where God allows us or where he opens our minds and you see the Bible come to life in your kids, which is exactly what I would want. It's exactly how I think it should be. For the longest time, I thought Pentecost Sunday was just about speaking in tongues. For the longest time, I thought this was the this was the scriptures that allowed Pentecostals to be their thing. And we've had a lot of that over the course of the years. You, some of you guys have been here as long, if not longer than I. And you've seen us. And we've filled the altar. And we've spoken in tongues. And we've had words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I, every time I think uh, of of the gifts of the Spirit, I think a sunny seal. You know, some of you guys have been around sunny, uh, sunny seal was here a long time ago. And Sonny had this finger that he would point at you. And he'd be all the way across the other side of the sanctuary and he'd walk the entire way. And he'd have these eyes like, <laughs> if you were younger and you sat over here, you're like, Sonny's moving this way, everybody. 
but he was always spot on. He's the first person I remember in my life realizing, holy cow, the Holy Spirit is a thing and he does manifest in these gifts. But what allows me to accept that is the unification of where that gift comes from. That is what I'm interested in. I know God has things for me. I know the Holy Spirit will manifest in different ways. He's the, um, he, we always talk about this. He's never going to manifest in Nick Moore the way he will na- manifest in me. And I could go into conversations about that as we've had conversations. But that's the beauty of this. I can't do this alone. I have preached three times. The last three times have always been this underlying message of community. That's what I'm interested in. It's what I feel like God has laid on my heart. It's what I feel like we need to be paying attention to. Yes, the Holy Spirit has things for you. Yes, the Holy Spirit will manifest in certain ways, but the Holy Spirit comes to unify His church. And we are called to allow those rivers of living water to flow out from us so that we have the ability to speak to people not inside this church. It's not about this building and allowing God to do whatever he wants to do in this building and let it look like whatever he wants to look like. No, 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 no. We're called to unify. We're called to speak life into other people, to bring them into a house where Jesus can be preached, they can accept it, and they can flourish. But it has very little to do with you and I, and very little to do with how the the manifestation looks, but has everything to do with coming together, continuing to unify, continuing to grow the kingdom of God. Not only am I interested in it, it's what we're called to do, guys. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday nights, not just a small group, but all the time. We're unified by one spirit, filled with love and peace, filled with truth and with grace. fills us so that we would pour out together. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers. And that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.